I'm back and I'm better. This is the non-microwave truth, and I'm C.L. Whiteside. I'm glad that you are here with me in this moment. It's a blessing. Another episode, baby. Number five. You can't have your cake and eat it too, though. I hate that phrase. I do. It's like, why would you have cake and not be able to eat it and instead just look at it like it's cake? It's supposed to be devoured. It's supposed to be in your tummy. It's not to smell. It's not to look at. That phrase should be replaced with this. You can't roll around in the mud and play and stay clean too. That's what the phrase should be. Because you might want to have fun in the mud and get all dirty, but I guarantee you're not going to be clean. You can use that phrase. Just make sure you give me credit. Because I know what most people are trying to get at. They're trying to say that you can't do opposite ends of the spectrum things and get the same results. And nothing is better than you can't roll around in the mud and play and stay clean too. But enough with that. Let's get into our first world problem today. And if this is your first time joining us, a first world problem is something that's not really a problem. It's just something to discuss, something that's a little bit outside of the box, something that I love to get feedback from and hear from you. And I appreciate the feedback that I have been given. Y'all been making me think. Our first world problem today is this. What type of mark did God put on Cain's body? And just to give you a quick rundown, this is at the beginning times of the world being created. Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain got jealous of Abel, decided to kill him. So God put a mark on him so that if anyone tried to kill him, the vengeance and the suffering would be seven times over that person who killed him. But what was that mark and where did he put it? My guess is that it was somewhere on his face. It had to be like some face tattoo or some huge birthmark. But where do you think it was at on his body? Do you think it was his chest? Do you think it was his hands? Do you think it was something like a birthmark? Do you think it was something like a tattoo? Was Cain the first tatted person in the world? Let me know what you think. Remember, my handle is championlife23. You can let me know on Instagram or Twitter. What do you think the mark was that was put on Cain and where do you think it was? And a side note, tattoo advice. The reason I'm thinking about tattoo advice is because of Cain and it's on my mind. And I got a few tattoos. Something I think people should do before they get their tattoo is write it down. Make sure you get it drawn out and then show people. Show as many people as you can. Because it's nothing like getting a tattoo and then people are like, what does that say? I can't read that. Or man, that picture looks really blurry. Or you know how little kids draw and you're like, oh, that's a nice cat. And they're like, it's not a cat. It's a cow. So, yeah, I would just encourage you before you get tatted to show people, especially your close friends, and get that feedback before you get something that's permanent on your body. So a little tattoo advice. Our first real problem again was... Where was Kane's mark? And what do you think Kane's mark was? I kind of think he was like the first tatted person in the world. I'm thinking like the Mike Tyson face tattoo. And this is our first world problem.
it's dinner time. The title of our episode today is What Wave Do You Ride? And what we're really looking at today and hammering the point of is the fact that the more people wrong doesn't make something right. Now we got to take a little trip down memory lane. You remember Y2K. This is especially for the millennials. Now for Generation Z, I'll explain what Y2K was. Y2K was supposed to be when the year changed from 1999 and went to 2000, there was going to be some crazy computer crash and we're going to go back to like barbaric times. Banks get messed up and it's almost looking like the purge. Now, this is vivid in my head. I can just picture one of my friends who lived down the street from me and we were like 10. And I just remember him saying, and he was talking about like, Y2K coming. Y'all got y'all Y2K kit? And it was like, what? (laughs) And the kit would consist of something like water and batteries and plenty of flashlights, canned food, dry food. You you, you get the point. And it was like, are you really serious? You, You believe in this Y2K? You think the world's about to end? And he was dead serious. And I remember him saying like, hey, when Y2K come, don't come knocking on my door. Hey, I'm eating up all my food. And it's just like, oh, man. And, of course, when the countdown came at New Year's, five, four, three, two, one, what happened? Yep, you guessed it. Nothing happened. Now, this had plenty of traction behind it. It was commercials. It was stuff on TV about it. It would have been some, probably some emails about it. Well, I think emails about it, but don't quote me on that. But, like, my guy wasn't the only one who thought like this. Like, it was a lot of people who thought like this. And that was the wave he was riding. And boy, oh boy, was that wave oh so wrong. Now, let's go to something more recent, though. The world told us to panic during quarantine. And what did it tell us to panic over? Toilet paper. There was a toilet paper rush during quarantine. And I remember this. I remember people really sweating and planning on how they were going to get their toilet paper. The grocery store became like the spot to be, and toilet paper was the hottest commodity. And it's like, I guess if you're just sitting home and eating and doing nothing, you will need a lot of toilet paper. But like, for real, people were hoarding it, waking up at ridiculous hours in the morning to go to the grocery store. Hitting up family members and friends like, hey, you got some toilet paper? You got an extra roll or two? Like this was over toilet paper. And I got to admit, it got me just a little bit, a little bit, because I started to notice how much paper my girl, which is now my wife, used. And I'm talking about stuff like wiping the counters. And blowing her nose, I'm kind of looking at her crazy like, why is this woman using all this toilet paper? Don't you know there's a toilet paper shortage? But hey, I, I, I had a safety plan, though. I was just going to go to my school and grab some rolls and tell whoever I needed to if worse came to worse. But think about that. The world told us to panic over toilet paper. People really made a killing off of selling toilet paper for a ridiculous amount of money. Oh, yeah. And hand sanitizer. And this leads us into our quote, though. The quote is, the amount of support given for wrong doesn't make it right. It just makes more people wrong. What wave do you ride? Now, this title is so fitting 
because we'll look at Noah in the Bible. Get it? Wave, Noah, flood, the ark, water equals waves. Let me give you a quick breakdown of Noah. Now, I told you about my friend from down the street who was warning me about Y2K. Well, Noah is that friend, but the disaster he was facing and worried about was not computers crashing or a shortage of toilet paper. What was about to happen was a flood. And also what's different than my friend from down the street is Noah was going against the wave and was one of only eight people in the entire world to believe that a flood was coming. One of eight people. That's it. And to make this even more like dumbfounded is when I Googled to see how many people were on the earth during the time of Noah, I got anything from a million to 750 million. I saw something that even said 10 trillion. Like bottom line is it was less than a percent, way less than a percent, less than 0.1 percent. It was eight people out of the entire world. And well, what was everyone else doing, though? Everyone else was just wicked, man. Like it was nonstop violence. Everything dealt with evil and wickedness. Everyone was corrupt and everybody was out for their own. Like if you had to throw hands, you would literally fight for everything you wanted. People were living, they were partying, they were drinking, getting married, but it was all corrupt. Now, Noah was riding the wave of God, and he was riding the wave of God when millions of other people were riding the exact opposite wave. Like, think about that. Everyone outside of your immediate family is doing wrong, is doing evil, is corrupt, is violent, is crazy. Noah's assignment was to build an ark and gather two of every kind of animal and follow the directions to the T. Now, I, I know us and I know myself personally, we like to kind of follow God's directions. But he stuck to it. God said two of all living creatures, every kind of food. Noah did it. Now, this is not in the Bible. And this is just me thinking, though. Corrupt and evil people probably had a field day with Noah, just ribbing and joking all the time. And let's say it took Noah 50 years for him to build this ark. Nothing was easy about this. Noah had to face the non-microwave truth every day. And he couldn't microwave this and hop on a cruise ship. My man had to build an ark in a time when no one, I mean no one, wanted to help or cure one bit except his seven family members. Just imagine the jokes and the mockery he faced. And when I was researching and looking this up, Second Peter verse 5 makes mention that he was warning and preaching to the people about the flood. They probably had comic skits about him. He would have been a meme in today's world. He would have been the crazy Noah all over social media. I can hear it now. Are you talking about Noah? Oh, the crazy one? The crazy one who's been building that ark for 50 years? Oh, yeah, he's crazy. He's got a screw loose. He said some flood is coming. We have never seen water out the sky. Yeah, dude's, dude's been drinking too much. And what wave did these people of Noah's time ride? It says, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. 
millions of people died and destroyed. Now, there's some big takeaways and big things to learn from Noah. The first one is, how do you know what wave you should ride? Like, how do you know? And Noah's relationship with God was on point. Now, all of us do this. And I have seen people who really build and get in their head. And I guess all of us, all of us feel this at times that the whole world is against me. In Noah's case, it literally was. But since his relationship with God was so deep and so in tune, he knew what wave he should ride. He was able to see the small victories that gave big implications. And I just got a few examples for you to think about. The fact that the measurements God gave him were on point, like they were on point and built a whole arc, an arc that was like a football field and a half big. Another fact is that Noah got all the birds. Like, I dare you to go try and catch an eagle or a hawk. This wasn't like Pokemon, where Noah was running around catching all these animals. Animals came to him. So despite him being called Dr. Doolittle, he had to know and trust God because this is often, I think, an overlooked sign that animals came to him. Like, what signs are you overlooking because you're trying to keep up with the world? The second thing is, Noah did everything God commanded. Like, it was no half-stepping or cheating or trying to microwave the process. And I had to think about this. Like, God said, code it with this. And how many of us would have tried to code it with something else? I'm talking about the wood for the, the ark. Or how many of us would not have coded the inside and the outside like God said? Noah followed everything to the T. The third thing that we definitely can learn from Noah is no matter how right you are, sometimes people rather keep living and being wrong. Because wrong has more followers, it has more likes, and a lot of times wrong looks a lot cooler. This made me think about a conversation I was having with someone this summer, and he was just sharing how he overcame certain things in his life and how he was able to, to turn the page. And he looked me dead in my eyes and he told me, he said, when I was doing wrong, I had a lot more friends than when I started doing right. And that's scary because all of us as a people are terrified on missing out. We're terrified on missing out on experiences. Like, I know the phrase is you learn from your mistakes, but a wise man or woman learns from the mistakes of someone else's. And being in the position of an assistant principal and dealing with discipline, it's amazing how many students have told me they knew they were wrong, but since a bunch of other people were wrong too, that's why they chose wrong. Like, saying that out loud, it doesn't make any sense, but in the moment, we make that make sense to ourselves. And we all get brainwashed to think because a lot do it, that makes it okay or almost makes it even good. And I don't care if you're 15 or you're 50 years old. Peer pressure is real. And peer pressure highlights wrong. And it tries to normalize and make things be so united that people just think because it's normal, it's okay or that it's acceptable. Wrong is usually easier than right. Wrong is like a microwave, and a bunch of things can be heated in it. Right is the non-microwave truth. And in Noah's case, it was a long, hard building process, but remarkable. And it was an ever-changing event. Like, think about that. All of us came from Noah. What's wrong or right in today's world has some of the multiple-choice answers, too. 
Well, if you're not hurting anyone, it's okay. Or, it's your body, so do whatever you feel like. It must be right if everyone else is doing it. This is so normal. This is what all men do, or all women do. Now, what we see with Noah is they all had this mentality, and they all got destroyed mentally, physically, and most sadly, spiritually. I could give you a bunch of different times that the world or our culture has been wrong, but I'm just going to give you a few. Remember when they said the earth is flat? Please don't hit me up on Instagram or Twitter talking about Kyrie Irving and the world being flat. Or how about when our culture or America said maybe 100, 200, 300 years ago that when someone is sick or injured in war, you should cut them and let them bleed out. Like, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Or how about slavery? Slavery was once good and the majority thought it was okay. Now, from a spiritual perspective, what wave are you riding in a spiritual sense? Like, where is your faith? Are you willing to be different? Are you willing to stand up from these pressures of this world? And not only stand there, but build your ark for God. The ark that may make some look at you differently. The people of Noah's time thought that they were missing out on something, and they weren't. Don't be on the wrong side of history, and don't ignore the signs from God to build the ark he's commanding you to build. And if you don't leave here with anything today, my whole point is this. You can't use the world to determine what's right and wrong. You got to use God's word, the Bible. It won't send you off and having you ride the wrong way and ultimately destroying yourself. God's word, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, that's what will show you the wave. And it's going to show you a wave that's so beautiful that it will give you life. It will give you hope. It will give you the strength that Noah felt even when the whole entire world was really against him to carry on and build for God's glory. This is the non-microwave truth. A time of grace production. And definitely, definitely hit me up, Champion Life 23, Instagram or Twitter. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.